A couple of weeks ago, we lost one of the giants in our community, somebody who perhaps had the biggest profile of any player in the game. We received news that Julie 7-1, who we really all just knew as Julie, had passed away. As a player, Julie had the second highest level in the world, we believe, at 583. In the past few years, she became a liaison between the game developers and the player community and made it a mission to seek out any and all bugs in the game and inform the developers. This earned her the moniker of Bug Catcher, and through this mission, Julie singularly worked to improve our MTGPQ experience. We all benefited from her efforts, and many of us enjoyed her friendship. Dozens of teams have temporarily changed their names to honor Julie, something any player can see by simply looking at the scoreboards the last few weeks. In every way, Julie, we miss you. All right, I have a little bit of catching up to do, folks. This episode will recap the results of Survivors of the Four Tribes Part 2, which ended on February 11th. I'll make my weekly apology for mistakes I've made in the previous episode, something I seem to be doing so frequently it should probably become a segment. I'll recap Soft Part 2 for the best mega coalition in the game, in my humble opinion, the Gods of Theros. And after that recap, I'll play the first part of my interview with the poet Big Bill, one of the very early members of the Gods of Theros. Oh, pipes! Nerd! Start us off, brother. From Studio 1A at the worldwide headquarters of Echo Blade Studios. weekly podcast focusing on the mobile game Magic the Gathering Puzzle Quest. Global team results. The world's top players. The world's top teams. Ladies and gentlemen, MTG PodQuest. Please welcome Nerd Thuggery. I love it. Broadcasting from our studios in Florida to over a thousand listeners in 40 countries on five continents on one planet. What's up, guys and groggers? Welcome to MTG PodQuest, the world's only podcast about anything related to Magic the Gathering Puzzle Quest. I am Coin Flip, more commonly known as Nerd Thuggery. We have an interview this week with the poet Big Bill. We'll talk about the Gods of Theros origin story. We geek out a little on Planeswalkers. We touch on the genius of Quentin Tarantino, the importance of 90s music, opening up our Discord for the first time in years, and we wax philosophical every now and then. We spoke for over two hours, so I did some editing. I split up the interview into two parts. I think you'll enjoy it. Good guy. Survivors of the Four Tribes Part 2. Well, I think it's about time we consider Teferi one of the premier teams in MTGPQ. Every once in a while, they dial it in and they trounce everybody. Teferi had 15 perfect scores and were only 28 points short of perfection. Black Lotus and Blue Lotus came in second and third respectively. Overall, 12 teams scored higher than 95%. Those teams in order were... 
Teferi. Black Lotus. Blue Lotus. Team Reckless. MTG Goldfish. Goblin Pile. Black Vice. You have one job. Something went wrong. The Gods of Theros. Oblivion. Don't panic. All right, up to current date with perfect scores, Zibvert has remained perfect through 43 straight weeks. When I checked in with him this week, I told him it seems the only thing that can stop him is him. And he quickly snapped back and bullets. And that's a secret. Don't let anybody know. I won't, Zipper. Your secret is safe with me. The top five streaks in the world right now are Zibvert of Black Lotus at 43, Machine of Team Reckless at 29, FC Led Zepp of Black Lotus at 26, Mork90 of our own Gods of Theros at 17, and Venatus of Goblin Pile at 16. All right, let's finish up the summary of Survivors of the Four Tribes Part 2 with the summary for the Gods of Theros, and then we'll go into the interview with Big Bill. The Gods of Theros. We had five teams in the top 25 for Survivor of the Four Tribes Part 2 which is what I love to see. Dodge has performed his algorithmic alchemy and has submitted his report. The Throne of Perfection. Great Scott. Mork90 McFlies to another flawless victory, making it 15 in a row now after this specific event, placing this god firmly in the Tower of Ultimate Domination. There's something very familiar about all this. Eccentric lunatic Derek Rogers also goes nuclear with a fiery seven in a row. And for the first time in a long time, we have a total of five gods hitting their stride on the throat of perfection. With Six Iron, Star 12, and Couch Clown rounding out the field. A time traveling, 31 members of Gods of Theros ascended the coveted throne of Theros with perfect scores of 120 this week. Including Six Iron, Targriel, Mork 90, Razuishu, Couts Clown, Not That Mad, Derek Rogers, Kung Fu Chuck, Star 12, Skald Strider, Sang Woo Lee, Jay Truon, Sepulka, Gamer 1919, Wolf 815, Superfly, Imperial, Hudson Humple, Fireboy, Rex Ares, Raced Lin, Soul Twist, Demonic. The knees, Topo Loco, Danny Crow, Last Exit, Dodge U, Unko Sama, The Poet Big Bill, Six Iron Alt, Bento Box. A heavy 16 members claim the demigod status, scoring 95% or better, including Trash Bear, Cave Den, Epsi 7, Wayron, Ninja Sid, Black Dragon, Imagine, Arth LeMay, Dolio, Rain. Heart, Big Ben, Maxineer, Tyler Nall, Dagon, Helios, Anuaroth, and another enchanted 64 avatars scored 75% or more. Good job, guys. All right, let's break down the teams. The gold team. 13 gods with perfect scores, two demigods at 95%. Team performance was 97. Top performers, we have five with a perfect 100 rating. That's Mork90. Derek Rogers, Six Iron, Star 12, and Couch Clown. That puts our gold team at 10th place in the world this event. Player movement has Kumashi and Ooh Zeke moving to the silver team. The silver team. Nine gods with perfect scores, two demigods at 95%. Team performance was 93. 
top performers Big Bill, Dodge U, and Bento Box, all at 98. That puts our silver team at 17th place in the world for this event. Player movement this week has Big Bill and Bento Box moving up to the gold team, Koalos is moving to the bronze team, and Quicksilver will be taking a little break from the game. We hope to have him back very soon. The bronze team. Two gods with perfect scores. Six demigods at 95%. The team performance was 91. Top performers, Shrike at 98. Gamer1919 at 96. And Superfly at 95. And that puts the bronze team at 18th place in the world this event. Player movement has Shrike and Gamer1919 moving up to the silver team. V Drake is moving to GOT4. The Quads of Theros. One god with a perfect score, one demigod at 95%. Team performance was 83. Top performers are Adinako at 95, Elvis at 92, and Hudson Humple at 91. The Quads of Theros took 24th place in the world this event. Player movement has Elvis and Hudson Humple moving up to the bronze team. Goliath is moving to GOT5. El Cinco de Theros. One god with a perfect score, three demigods at 95%, a performance rating of 85. The top performer, Black Dragon at 98, Arthlame 94, and Dislim at 90. The Cinco placed 22nd in the world this event. Player movement has Arthlame and Protocon moving up to GOT4. Black Dragon will be roosting in GOTB until we see where he goes next, although I believe he's taking a few weeks off for vacation. Well deserved. The Hexagods of Theros. Two gods with a perfect score, one demigod at 95%, a performance rating of 51. Top performers Soul Twist at 96, Gernhot at 89, and Kinden at 85. The Hexagods placed 53rd in the world this event. Player movement in Gods of Theros 6 this week has Kinden and Gernhot moving up to the Cinco. Both Soul Twist and Clam will be returning to their homes in the Grogs of Theros. Trying to get through this in one take, man. Let's do it. The Grogs of Theros. One god with a perfect score, two demigods at 95%. Performance rating of 50 Top performers, Nerd Thuggery at 97, Last Exit at 92, and Marino at 84. The Grogs of Theros placed 56th in the world. Player movement has Rorex and Nikolai moving up to GOT6. All right, when I decided I was going to do interviews, my next guest was on my shortlist from the very beginning. We've had fun exchanges before I even started this podcast, including starting a Bill Brasky tradition whenever Black Dragon would come into GOT7 and hang out. If you're not familiar, Google SNL Bill Brasky. He's been with GOT for years and has a long history with GOT. This is part one of my interview with the poet Big Bill. I hope you enjoy it. So, what a week, huh? I don't know it, man. Yeah, that it's was... Been, um, um, crazy with real life and um you know julie passing away you know coincided with uh my girlfriend getting covid as well you know so i've been oh man extra stressed out and everything like that you know worried about her yeah and, uh, you know a lot of stuff going on at work and everything but uh yeah it's it's definitely hard uh you know to uh find some free time so to speak yeah i guess i could call you in 
OG GOT? I'm not sure. I mean, what do you what do you feel about? It? Like, were you one of the original, or were you? Oh, this is Big Bill, by the way, everybody. Big Bill. I call him the poet Big Bill, but that's a story of of itself, and it's well deserved. But do you consider yourself like an, an OG GOT, or were you just very very early in the uh, process? As far as the GOT uh, process, I was very early. Basically, the gods of Theros came from a team called the D3 Ducks, something of that sort, something that contains D and three and Ducks. And um, it had some of the OGs like Black Dragon, Star 12, Big Ben, you know, people like that. And um, Poppy found me in a uh, less than active coalition and recruited me. That's how I got in the GOT family. I have the same story, but with Derek, with Derek Rogers, um, just in a dead coalition, uh, came into GOT and it just kind of changed my whole view of the game, really. Yes, mine, mine too. The opportunity to learn more about the game. The game was quite intimidating um, back in those days before there was a Discord could go to or anything like that. Um, there was quite the learning curve in it. Yeah, yeah, and um, that's something actually Black Dragon said to me about one of the differences that Gods of Theros maybe to a lot of other coalitions is that we're at this point where we really actually do want to develop players. We want to see, uh, we want to share the knowledge and help other players become strong players. Absolutely. You know, I was, I was mentored and everything was done through in-game chat. Wow. You know, deck lists, um, strategies. Um, there was a guy named Oliver who uh, painstakingly spent a couple hours with me teaching me how to make a loop deck, you know, based on what cards <laughs> I had and things like that, you know. So there was a lot of really good players when I joined and, okay, all right, let's do it. All right, so Big Bill, how old are you? I'm 48 years old. And where uh, do you consider to be your hometown? Like, where did you grow up? I grew up uh, in Jackson, Mississippi, and then I moved up to uh, Tupelo, Mississippi, which is in North Mississippi, uh, when I was in the fifth grade. And uh, so I would consider Tupelo home because I did most of my growing up here and have always been around this area. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely where my heart is here. So you're in Tupelo right now? Yes. Are you married, uh, partnered? Do you have kids? I have a wonderful girlfriend named Sonia. She is beautiful and wonderful and supportive to me. And apparently listens to the podcast. <laughs> well, you know, I'm hoping to get her to listen to a few minutes of it anyway. That's great. That's great. Education, uh, high school, college, anything like that? I would say some college. Um, mm -hmm. I, I took uh, some courses on computer repair um, back when it seemed like a promising industry when computers weren't uh, disposable like they are now and uh, you know kind of got some ADD going on you know so sitting in a classroom and going through all the schooling and all that I, uh, I'm a self-educated person you know at, at my own pace and by my own methods more than anything else yep I get it and what do you do for a living right now Bill Right now, I work at a place called English Color, and what we do is we make automotive paint, 
Um, and we also provide necessary supplies to body shops, collision centers, dealerships, things like that. Professional grade products. And we uh, have a lot of technology where we're able to match paint colors. Of course, like uh, a particular shade on a car is going to be a proprietary formula, but we have technology where we can recreate that and also, you know, deliver said items as well. Just a little bit of everything, but that's supporting the body shop and dealership industry with paint and supplies is pretty much a summary of, of what I do. Would you consider what this game that we played, would you consider it a, a really nerdy thing to do? I once read that Magic the Gathering is the most complex game known to man, and I agree with that. Um, I've been preaching that too, yeah. You know, I I worked at casinos when I was younger, and, you know, I taught game theory and, and things for the types of games that they had there. You know, this is definitely a very, very, very complicated game with the mechanics, uh, with all the different ways you can play and I think that's one of the main things that's appealing about it is because there's an infinite amount of ways to play and every game is different versus say like a card game with a standard deck of playing cards you know where there's you know certain probabilities and things like that that you can rely on you know like if you were like say a Vegas card counter and things like that um, but the thing I like about Magic the Gathering is is you really get to put together what kind of deck you want to have, what kind of win cons you want to have. And um, I feel like a commander when I play it, like, you know, these are my troops. This is what I have. These are the resources that I have available. And so it's kind of a real time strategy game, which I really enjoy that. This particular game I found while looking for a more interesting match three game than the Marvel. Uh, Marvel was a lot of fun, um, but it was quite simplistic. Even um, the higher levels, it didn't have the element of strategy that uh, this one does. So match three has always been like a very pleasing thing for me. It's a task, it's uh, something visual to do. And then having the strategy on top of that just hooked me because I, uh, I played Magic the Gathering when it first came out and you know that was pretty much you know we would carry our decks uh, to so-and-so's house and you yeah. know, play I mean and whatever cards you had you know and you, know, you could go down to the comic book shop and get this this and this you know but it was just as much fun to play with a bunch of commons and uncommons and things like that you know just because it was like more visual than Dungeons and Dragons and um, you know you could hold the cards they had artwork on them you know that mm -hmm. flavor text you know and you could set up different things and I always enjoyed that more than like say Dungeons and Dragons where you have a, a dungeon master and everything comes from that I, I like the uh, look of the draw, you know, so to speak, um, that, that goes with magic. Even though it was pretty messy, you know, like I would make a magic deck that would have probably 80 to 120 cards in it. So that didn't work out too well, <laughs> wow. you know. That's massive, man. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, try to play. those who haven't played Paper Magic, that's a huge deck. <laughs> yeah, you know, I try to play three colors, you know, and everything, and and have enough uh-huh. mana and and all that. But um, you know, the ten cards is is good. Sometimes I wish, you know, that I could, uh, you know, have a twelve or fifteen card deck. But you know, it wouldn't stop there. You know, I'd, I'd be yeah. playing, you know, with a fifty card deck if I could. Yeah. What was your first uh, set? You said you started playing when it first released. What would you say was your first set with Magic or? Were you like, you know, old school, like beta and that stuff? No, oh, definitely old school beta. Um, in the early 90s, when it when it came out, you know, um, basically, I can remember the first box I bought had like maybe 60 cards in it. And mm-hmm. um, I don't really even think it, there was a particular set associated with it. It, it was beta and it was... Uh, right. It was uh, actually kind of controversial in uh, my hometown um, because of the imagery on the cards and things like that being in the Bible Belt you know people thought you know that it was whatever with you know demonic tutors and you know different things on there mm-hmm. yeah you know, it was it was kind of a thing where you couldn't get them the cards just anywhere but um, you know thankfully the comic book shop you know and, and that kind of became the theme I think uh, you know, for later on Friday Night Magic and everything is just the comic book stores are really the ones that had the support, you know, for the game mm-hmm. and pretty much who you could talk to about how to play it. You know, we didn't have the internet like we do now. And, uh, you know, of course it was in existence, but we didn't have it as, as such a instant resource as we do now. Right. Yeah. It wasn't then what it is now for sure. No. It, and neither, frankly, is magic. I, I mean, it, you, you had a. Uh, you got to be an attorney to, to really litigate the game these days. You really do. And, you know, one of the things I hate, you know, like in the game Uno, you know, I uh, there's certain cards I'll take out, um, like reverse and skip and things like that. I don't like having my hand discarded. Um, you know, I don't like having my hand looked at, you know, things like that. Those are <laughs> kind of offensive things to me, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my first set what I, I think antiquities just got released and i did a uh, it wasn't an official tournament it was just a tournament at a bar in chicago and the prize was uh, a, a box of antiquity booster packs and i won that tournament and i won that box of booster packs and somebody right away was like yeah i'll give you 200 dollars for the box i was like yep you got it sold yes I had no idea. I think if I, I think last time I looked, a sealed antiquities box was going for thirty or forty thousand dollars. Yeah, but you and I both know you wouldn't have kept it sealed. Uh, yeah. No, of course not. If that guy did, <laughs> I would have been ripping those things open. <laughs> I can't even hardly keep my digital packs unopened, much less uh, <laughs> Me physical too. ones. You know. So, do you have a favorite color in Magic in in the game, the the Magic: The Gathering Puzzle Quest? Do you have a favorite color you like to? Um, I was always green and red. I have learned to really appreciate blue. Not too much of a fan of white or black. Um, green, uh, the creatures, uh, creature-based damage, you know, growth, flourishing, you know, that green is pro- probably my favorite color. But, you know, for coalition events and things like that, I've definitely learned to appreciate blue. Uh, everything is going to be uh, something that has access to blue for me now in a coalition event. Unless I'm just going straight aggro, you know, with uh, 
the new ran or something like that. But are there certain blue cards that you try to get into your deck, such as ambiguity with me? Ambiguity, uh, sleep with the fishes. Um, you know, it's definitely another one. You know, being able to disable, you know, is is more useful than uh, even destroying uh, for me. Um, but definitely the. PMA blue suite of, of cards. I like to play with those, but any deck I can throw ambiguity in, um, any kind of uh, legacy event, um, I'm liable to go wizard class, mm. you know, loop, things like that, um, void rend, just pretty much those type of control cards. Um, you know, relied a lot on perilous voyage and, and cards like that just simple bounce back cards um you know something you could pull and something you could put out really quick you know that was definitely perilous voyage is uh been used a lot and uh i'm gonna have to take a look at that one i'm not familiar that's one of those return creature to uh the hand and i if I'm not mistaken, I do believe that that card didn't have the caveat of uh, if there's room or not. There were some that, that did and some that don't, but, but Perilous Voice was just one, you know, because I believe it costs five, five or six mana. So that's one that, you know, you, you can see a lot in some of the older decks that we've built for Gods of Theros. That, that's a nice little cheap to throw in bounce there. You have a favorite Planeswalker? Oh, that's got to be Kazmina. You know, I, I swear to God. Yeah. I still have to develop her. <laughs> yeah, there, there's so much utility in Kazmina being able to fetch, you know, having access to uh, the secondary deck of cards, her second ability, copying the first spell in your hand. That's a really, really good way to change the board state. And, you know, if you got like a meeting of the five or whatever, you know, you get an instantly filled. Uh, copy of that and uh, the third ability is is really good to put the accelerator pedal on some of your supports such as ambiguity like we're talking about you know it's because dang i really gotta work on this then yeah i mean you know it's like you know you we may get it busted up you know with uh two shields on it but let me have about seven shields on my ambiguity and then we'll see what what you can do um <laughs> Kazmina is, is my favorite because it's blue and green. Uh, it used to be Kiora, uh, especially when I was a younger player uh, in my development, you know, because the octopi that you could summon uh, just, mm -hmm. yes, that was wonderful. And the first ability, stealing mana from your opponent's hand. Uh, I really like Kiora, but then Kazmina came out. Favorite card or card combo? That's a tough one. Um, Pretty much everything I do is based on all or nothing in a coalition event. Like, you know, very rarely do I miss an objective. I'll lose the whole match, you know, over that. But in some of the legacy, um, I'll use Narset, you know, and, you know, the classic Omni Huff Deploy, you know, just how you say BFTA. Um, mm -hmm. Doing that event, you know, we, where you're just going to crush on somebody or, you know, when Avacyn's Madness event, you know, comes out, you know, I'll, I'll be kind of lazy and just use like, you know, my most lethal deck over and over and over again, you know, and not really worry mm -hmm. about the two or three points you lose, you know, here or there. But um, mm -hmm. as far as card combos, 
you know, I really, I really like meaning of the five and what you can put with that. Um, you know, that really can, uh, especially once you re can repeat a cast of meaning of the five, you can really set up your board state and get some things done. Do you think the people that you work with would be surprised that you were so deeply involved with uh, such a cerebral hobby? No, I, I tell them about it. You know, I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. You know, I, uh, I kind of believe, you know, that we're all meant to be kind of badass at, you know, one thing particular or another. And, and I take pride in the fact that, you know, I play on such a successful team, you know, and I look at uh, Gods of Theros as one team, you know, they're, they're, we can only put 20 of us together at, at one particular time, but, but now my coworkers hear about it, you know, it'll be like, yeah, we come in fifth place in the world and things like that. So they, uh, they definitely wouldn't be surprised. Um, I'm cerebral. Um, I think a lot and I, and I talk a lot. People pretty much know what's on my mind. And I give a shout out to my coworkers because I'm going to try to make them listen to, you know, at least uh, part of the podcast. You know, they they think your podcast is cool, you know, with the intro music and everything like that. Oh, know? that's great. But no, it wouldn't surprise them at all. When you and I first started exchanging messages, you uh, definitely have a, you're a wordsmith. And we had fun playing back and forth, I think, a few times on that. So it doesn't surprise me that they wouldn't recognize you. If I mean, are you that way kind of like in your everyday life? Maybe not poetic in uh, necessarily the alliteration and rhyming, but I get a lot of uh, get to the point uh, things. I'm very long-winded. <laughs> um, you don't want to ask me a question unless you want to hear a pretty long answer, you know, especially if it's more than a yes or no or... You know, something like that. I, I believe in thoroughness and I uh, I enjoyed the banter back and forth, you know, to see uh, what kind of communicator you were. And uh, I uh, discovered you to be a quite a accomplished communications person. So, you know, I, I like that. And, um, you know, definitely. I think we were feeding off of each other. I think that's what that Yes, was. absolutely. You know, and some people can play a musical instrument and some people you know have different things but you know artistic expressions but but mine is communication and words and and how i put things and how i explain things yes i'm long-winded but you know it's in the it's in good intention of being insightful and you know there's just nothing has to be black and white there can always be many shades of gray within how many shades of gray well you know um, um <laughs> at least uh 50 something um you know I, <laughs> i'll leave it at that at least 50 something you know i i have to confess that um i had this fun thing in my head that when i was exchanging messages with you and we'd start messing around with uh, language and stuff i was thinking to myself is this is this big bill actually bill walton is this bill walton no so i don't know if you're familiar with bill walton yeah i'm, I'm quite familiar with him you know he yeah or and it's kind of a love-hate thing that that the world has with the guy i enjoy his stuff i think he's on a different wavelength but i i, I think yeah some of the exchanges we were having i was thinking yeah maybe 
He's yeah, I like the way he's got things figured out because you know it's it's all about love. It's all about seeing the beauty in each other. Um, that's what keeps us being creative. If you have a creative mind, um, it can turn to worry. It can turn to uh, destructive things. But um, one thing about having an active mind is keeping it on the right track. And, um, you know, I try to encourage and build up people around me. Um, I'm also a venter, so I may, you know, say some ugly stuff or whatever, but I just like to process my feelings in the moment and go on from there. I don't want to lash out at somebody three hours from now for something that I'm angry about. I'd rather just smash something if I need to say, you know, ugly word or two and just go on about my business. Um, because you can't take back anything you say. And so, you know, I think Bill Walton definitely understands, you know, love and beauty and things like that um, are really the most desirable things in life. The ability to see those things and appreciate those things because there's something beautiful about everyone and there's something unique about everyone and whether they're able to articulate it or not, you know, a person's appreciated and a person is thought of and it's not through their own eyes. And so I like to tell people what I see if they want to uh, know. And, you know, also I like to be complimentary, you know, and in oddball ways. I don't know. And I also say a lot of things just to see what people will say back. Mm -hmm. You know, I love the intellectual banter with others. I consider myself an individual and I like to think as an individual and having an individual identity uh, puts you in uh, positions where you need to be able to talk and articulate your position, you know, in a way that's respectful. All these things are things you learn when, when you get older, you know, so I don't, you know, I spent time as a younger man being angry and, um, mm. you know, about different things, but just kind of letting things go when you've been through some things in life, then, uh, you know, you appreciate the art of living a day, making it through a day. I'm definitely a daily person, you know, just, I like people to know how I feel about them. Um, on a daily basis, those that I love and, and things like that. But, you know, we're definitely meant to ponder the mysteries of the universe, but live the human existence one day at a time. Yeah. Hmm. You had mentioned um, he sees the, the beauty in everybody and, and the love in everybody and in life. And he's not frightened to incorporate that into a basketball analysis and because he's going to bring it to the world and that's what he feels like doing and he's not afraid to do it and um i think he just gave us a piece of that right there as well yeah i, I definitely like when someone comes at something from a unique perspective besides just good analysis but also you know bringing different wavelengths you know presenting a different radio station um for those to listen to you know, a, a day has a certain amount of radio stations in it, and we can uh, listen to the broadcast that, that we want to, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. All right, so let's, uh, well, let's get into Gods of Theros. 
the history, the early history. Now you mentioned that it was formed from, <laughs> I can't believe I'm gonna use this phrase, from the ashes of D3 Ducks. Yeah. I actually remember seeing that name on a chart very early on when I first joined this uh, this game, like seeing it up in the rankings. Yes, it was uh, it was quite the uh, quite the formidable team, and to the best of my understanding, uh, the leader ghosted them, and um, they were not able to get the crown. So. Mm. Gods of Theros was born uh, from Poppy's vision. At first, you know, to develop and keep the amount of talent you need for a top team. And so, Gods of Theros 2 was kind of a farm system, kind of like the minor leagues, a developmental type thing. And it grew from there. Um, You know, our remember that the original gods of theros they had about 16 17 really really good players and um it took me a minute in gods of theros too before i got to move up to the gold team as we call it now and uh Mm -hmm. it it didn't matter what event it was it didn't matter what was going on um i was going to be like 18th 19th or 20th on the uh (laughs) and one thing that we had was the ten, the race to 10,000. Every time we would get to 10,000, we would reset. So it was kind of competitive within the competitive environment of Gods of Theros. Um, eventually, uh, as we began adding more and more teams, more and more players, Poppy had his main and then he had three or four alts. So basically, he wanted another person to uh, be a leader so he could focus more on recruiting, focus more on uh, the top end and the low end and just have somebody send him the screenshots and communicate. Um, and so I just volunteered too. And so I became leader of Gods of Theros too. And mm-hmm. back then it was pretty much like it is now. You know, we were just banging on the door of the top 10 um, constantly, you know, be 14th, 13th, you know, 11th, you know, all this kind of thing. And, you know, there's always so much talent, so many other good teams, but it just grew exponentially from there. It was a, it was a much richer environment. Uh, being an efficient recruiter, uh, back then was quite the advantage for Poppy in, in being able to get us the players that we needed we'd lose some through attrition people would move on and different things like that but then all of a sudden you know we uh just kind of exploded on the scene you know it's like so you know they would uh you know kind of laugh at us and shake their head you know on the tp9 discord you know here they come with another team you know how far are you gonna go (laughs) you know and and eventually that led to having a casual team you know parking lot so to speak but the competitive ladder really took on a life of its own and i think that's the heartbeat of the gods of theros is number one um you measure yourself against some of the top players in the world and you do so within your own coalition as well and that's something that appeals to a lot of people um one of the things that became apparent and a selling point of the gods of theros is that you would 
end up on a team with other players who scored the same, who put about the same amount of effort into it. So you you would find a place where you were comfortable playing um, right. if, if you didn't want to just go straight up, so to speak. And um, we've had a lot of wonderful leaders through the years that have helped us keep this thing going. I get, um, I, I hear stories about, and I'm still learning about Poppy and um, not just how seminal he was in forming Gods of Theros, but I've heard stories particularly with what's happened in the last week or two, uh, as we're all changing our names to honor Julie, uh, somebody put forth some screenshots of a couple of times where he changed all the names for Gods of Theros to Gods of Whiskey, Gods of yeah. Bourbon, Gods of, you know, and I, uh, part of my language, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> and I, and oh, absolutely. Um, um we definitely enjoy doing that, you know, for, for different events, holidays and things like that. You know, we, you know, we wanted to, and we still do, you know, like to carry the message as a brand, you know, we, uh-huh. we're a brand and, um, we've been called lots of things, sausage factory, you know, some other things. Um, I used to see, you know, you would used to see on the discord, you know, well, so-and-so's doing this, you know, so-and-so's playing this. It must be one of those gods of whatever derogatory word decks, you know, because uh-huh. they thought we all played the same deck and, and all that, you know. And <laughs> it's definitely, uh, you know, something that Poppy was an architect. And Poppy, from what I know about him in real life, was in some form of high management, and he spent a lot of time in airports, a lot of times in hotel rooms traveling around the country, especially before COVID. And um, he had the free time. I mean, he did pretty much everything. You know, back then when we first started, we got one email a week, you know, from papawheelie.com and, uh, or whatever it was, papawheelie at whatever uh, it was. And, um, you know, to tell us where to move and he would, And then he started adding in the fun things. Um, You know, Dodge certainly has taken ownership of the, uh, making it fun to uh, read the breakdown, the uh, enthusiasm, the different verbiage. You know, Dodge has really done a great job, you know, in his own way, you know, taking that and making that his own. But, you know, it was really cool to get that email, you know, to find out, you know, if if you're moving up or moving down, you know, kind of what was going on with the, coalition family and things like that when we got to a certain point you know he he said we're gonna try this discord thing out he was talking to some people with tp9 and um, we joined tp9 and uh, it was quite the experience for us um most of us had never used discord before and uh, i just want to put this caveat out there you know as i tell the story of the gods of theros just going to try to be a straight shooter about things and um you know this is our story and i have no i have no problems with anyone um i feel like all major coalition leaders and entities have their own competitive purposes and things like that uh tp9 uh was kind of the place to be as far as anything that, that, that we knew um then and um, 
it was kind of an interesting adoption process because we got brought in and we were in many ways self-contained then, but we didn't have exposure to all the knowledge, all the social aspect, all the the bug chasing and all that that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you know, it really just opened our eyes and just made us more social. It gave an opportunity for us to communicate with other people and bounce ideas off of them. We got adopted into the TP9 family as an entity that operated the way that we did. You know, we had overall a wonderful experience, a lot of wonderful people. We just kind of always did our own thing and we, we tried to do it respectfully. You know, the gods of Theros are autonomous, but not antisocial. We just really believed in our ladder system, recruiting and things like that. We spent some time, just like Derek did, you know, being a uh, community manager in the TP9 Discord and, you know, helping them, assisting them. You know, we wanted to do things to feel like that, you know, we were earning our keep. Um, certainly our play and um, what we had going on raised the profile and, and enhanced the profile of TP9. But at the same time, TP9 kind of did the same thing for us, giving us exposure. You know, so it was a good overall experience. It's competitive when you get to be at that level of being a community manager, being a leader in coalitions. Uh, good players come along, everybody wants them. and. Um, how to sort them out and things. So we prided ourselves on being self-sufficient. We didn't really rely on TP9 to supply us players. Uh, we, like I said, we enjoyed the exposure that we had. Um, we enjoyed um, the camaraderie and Poppy's recruiting messages, you know, did include, you know, good things about TP9 and, and to join, but definitely, uh, Job number one was uh, recruiting and keeping our teams active and, and healthy. And Derek and I, you know, we helped intake players for other teams that would never be uh, a member of the Gods of Theros. But we wanted to make sure that players got placed, introduced, um, you know, so they could enjoy it wherever the powers that be saw fit for that particular person to go. We wanted it to be a fun experience, whether they were a god or not. And, you know, we wanted to contribute, but, you know, it it did create, I don't know if confusion is the right term, but, you know, some weeks there would be, you know, a little contention about this and that, you know, because sometimes a lot of players would join TP9, sometimes they wouldn't, but we were reliable with our recruiting methods. And, um, you know, we not only, uh, did we have teams, but we kept growing, you know, in the midst of some of the other coalitions, you know, keeping the same amount of teams, you know, we added teams until we got Mm -hmm. to a certain point where that was about what Poppy wanted to manage. But, you know, nothing but love for uh, TP9, nothing but love uh, for all coalitions. And um, if you're still around and, and you're having success with your teams you know you've done it your own way i think poppy if he were active he would really like lars and 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 lars mathematical 
approach to things, the, the different ways. Poppy was always searching for different ways to rate us. You know, how many PVEs, how many PVPs, how many weeks, you know, just the measurement, you know, to get a more reliable sense of who should be put on what particular team, you know. So I think, you know, from a mathematical standpoint, you know, um, Poppy would really appreciate what Lars does as well. Yeah, I think that from, um, I think within our, I'm, I don't think I'm giving away trade secrets here, but within GOT, um, I don't know specifically how, it, whether it's algorithmic or whether it's just um, a straight um, aggregation of scores, but we we used the last five, the previous five coalition events to uh, rate our membership. When I say a player rating in the uh, podcast, I'm speaking of the percentage that they've had over, that they've scored over the last five events. I think Lars is using a best 12 out of 15 right now. Yes, and, and there was... There's been adjustments along the way of like whether a PVE would be included, how many, you know, because the event schedule didn't lend itself to, you know, being reliable. You might have several PVP events in a row, but yet we'd still keep, you know, your last PVE average in with, with your other weekly averages and things like that. So it's kind of a secret sauce. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think the appeal of it is, is you, you measure yourself against others. And also, you know, it's a meritocracy. You know, if you want to play on the top, if right. you want to if you want to collect those top 10 rewards for Gods of Theros, then um, play your way up there. And, um, you know, people will help you any way they can. You know, we have so many good teams. I'm, I'm very proud. I spent a lot of time as a leader of the quad squad as well. And I'm very proud that they consistently 20 to 25 range as well. We've got great teams and great team leaders and um, keeping keeping the teams full, keeping them organized, you know, and, and just letting people be where they're at. Sometimes you need a break. Sometimes you need a weekend off. Sometimes if you're like me, you know, you go casual for months and then you come back because uh, somebody starts a podcast and you <laughs> might want to hear your name on the podcast and be famous, you know, and, uh, you know, Poppy, uh, and, and so many others kind of built this thing out into the basic architecture that we use. Let me tell you right now that um, big, big, big shout out to Derek Rogers yeah. and Dodge U yeah. for keeping us together. Um, and Poppy decided that he was going to move on to other things. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you how important Derek has been for us, um, you know, being our voice um, in, in TP9 and some other matters, making the executive decisions. Dodge, you know, has kept us organized and entertained. And, you know, without those two guys, there would be no gods with Theros. Now it would have, the dream would have ended with Poppy left. And, and you know, so I'm very, very proud of, of those two. You know, I'm very, very proud of of the leaders that we have and very appreciative, you know, that we get to keep doing what we're doing. And, um, I've told you before, I'm very proud of you for the energy and, you know, kind of exposing us to, uh, others and kind of bringing the community closer through your podcast. Um, you know, that means a lot. You brought a lot of energy 
into it because we've been doing it a while, you know, and we just need, you know, some new energy and, um, you know, definitely want to shout out Clem, you know, for, for doing a lot of recruiting and things for us now. You know, we've had countless people that have really stepped up, but, you know, I really, really, really want to emphasize how important that Derek and Dodge have been because I haven't, you know, just plain and simple, you know, there, there came to be a time where, you know, my real life got too busy. I made decisions where I was stepping back from some of the top level uh, leadership things. And, um, you know, if it weren't for Derek and Dodge and, and everybody else who stepped up, you know, then we wouldn't have what we have. So yeah, I second that know, for sure. You know, Poppy had a, a wonderful idea and, and, and built it out, but definitely, uh, Derek and, and Dodge, you know, keep us going today along with, you know, the team leaders. And, um, it, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Um, I like the game. I, uh, probably addicted to the game. Um, but the reason I've stuck around, even when I didn't really have much to put into the pot, so to speak, um, was because of the community, was because of the gods of Theros and everything and the time invested and, and just that it's fun, um, you know, to be a part of the latter. I spent a lot of time, you know, being a team leader and, and things like that, being casual. And so I kind of enjoy being on the ladder and that's kind of why, you know, I, I was ribbing you a little bit about joining the ladder, you know, because yeah. we need all we get, you know, that's the, the margins get getting awfully tight. You know, everybody, everybody's kind of a badass now, you know, that, that plays on the top teams and, um, yeah. So what, what Bill's referring to is that I, uh, just very recently stepped down. I, I was in the leadership role for gods of Theros seven and I stepped down and, um, Bormack took over as leader. He, he, he's deserved it, and that's something that's been in in, in the works for quite a while. I stepped down just so I could uh, have more time to uh, spend on well, getting this thing out, and also um, my experience with uh, MTGPQ has grown. I, obviously, you know, beyond just the borders of Gods of Theros, and now I'm more wanting to get involved in making sure that this game grows because I'm not the only one who is slightly concerned about its long-term survival. And it's a, it's a very important activity for many of us. Uh, and we want to see it stick around. So uh, I'm not saying, I, I don't want to scare anybody. I'm not saying this thing's about to shut down anytime soon that, that uh, MTGPQ is going away. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying there's a lot of people concerned about its growth, and I think I want to spend some energy on making sure that it does just that. I, I want to help whoever is able to help it grow to help it grow. Anyway, so I, I did step down this past week and uh, mentioned, uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know if I told, if I said, Bill, what I was planning on doing, but you jumped right in and said, uh, you know, put your money where your mouth is, get on the ladder. <laughs> So I was like, yeah, you know what? Last time I was on the ladder, I was some, I think I was floating between four and five. I think I struggled to stay on four and I've been uh, watching and learning from many better players over the last year. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you know what? I'm hitting like 97, 98%. I can, I can get up on the silver team. Maybe I can get gold team. 
And so I'm on the bronze team this last week and I had my worst week in three months and I'm thinking, I'm, oh, geez, I can't do this. You know, Hunter X Bonder kicked my ass. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. But I did have a lot of fun doing it. I took it a lot more serious. Thank you, Bill. Now that I'm actually on a, a I'm not going to say a real team because Gaza 7, uh, Gaza Thero 7 is a special place. Let me tell you, it's not just the lowest ranked place there are some special people on that team actually bill if you ever have the opportunity to spend a few weeks down there you might actually enjoy the the personalities that have ended up becoming permanent fixtures down there but um yeah, yeah so yeah i'm in three now we'll see we'll see if i can hang on one thing about the game and keeping the players that we do have is that i mentioned that I, that i have some experience with game theory and right um Shout out to Zibbert for, uh, you know, setting the world record for that many perfects in a row. Um, congratulations to everybody who has the streaks. Um, most things that you can be successful at, at a rate of 100% or, you know, the high 90 percentile, that's not really a game, so to speak, um, as much as it is an exercise and, um, so much respect to that but the way i look at it is don't be afraid to lose um i'm gonna tell you i've been around for a long time and um you know basically just kind of want you you know if you can to play your charges just do the best you can if if you don't lose every once in a while you know then uh you know consider yourself you know not only a great player but quite fortunate as well you know um it seems like somebody's gonna get me in every legacy event and that's okay <laughs> um but just understanding that you know it's not a disappointment not to have a perfect score um everybody wants to do their best but everything works out in the end uh difficult events kind of wash out individual scores may drop a little bit but um you know, don't let this legacy thing scare you. You know, you can have all the cards and you can still get taken out um, just by uh, the nature of, of good fortune and what kind of matches you have on the board. And, um, you know, another thing is just to enjoy the camaraderie. Don't beat yourself up too bad. Um, you know, regardless of how you do, nobody wants to get on, especially on a good team and then look and see that, you know, we missed a place by this many points and, you know, I missed this many points and no, it's never about that. It's about the fact that 20 people from around the country, around the world are coming together from one endeavor. They're willing to put a few hours in each weekend to make things happen to the best of their ability. And um, you know, that's what's really so special about it. Some of the people that you meet, some of the interesting personalities, the communities, um, you know, that to me is, is, is so important. And the community is wonderful. I enjoy the other discords. Um, I'm mainly a reader. Obviously I'm, I'm long-winded and things like that. And I just don't have the time to contribute good material. Uh, sometimes, you know, any new strategies and things like that, you know, just trying to play my weekend event when I have time and things like that. But I enjoy reading it. It's a good, it's kind of my social media experience. I really appreciate what you creators put out and I appreciate seeing the, the thoughts and strategies of, of everyone in the communities. And, um, 
you know, so I like to read it. You know, I'm not so much into some of the other social media things, but I do enjoy that because that way we're all bonded over something that, that we care about the game. You know, there's going to be freezes, there's going to be defeats, there's going to be bugs. Um, but, you know, for the, for the most part, it's the community and the fun. You know, I know it really is infuriating when you lose some points due to a freeze or a bug or, or something like that. But the overall experience is in the community is really what what makes it special for me and i think that um we should prize each other as competitors friendly competitors you know shout out to every other coalition family um as i said gods of theros you know we're autonomous but we're not anti-social you know glad um that people come and and uh, see that um you know, we, our uh, general chat is kind of like a barn, you know, you can have a party in it or, or whatever, you know, but, um, you know, we, uh, we have a pretty tame uh, server, I guess, compared to most, but I really enjoy seeing the other servers and some of the other things. And, um, you know, I'm glad that we opened up, you know, and let people in, you know, I know there's a certain air of mystery about the gods of Theros. Um, Pretty much, we're just a meritocracy. Pretty much, it's the system that works. It's the system that people believe in. It's um, it's just the way that we've been able to to maintain what we do. And um, like I said, you know, you can play yourself up as high as uh, you're able to, and um, you know, have a lot of fun along the way. Thank you for your time, Big Bill. Part two will be in a future episode as I catch up over the next couple weeks. No recruitment messages for the next couple weeks while we continue to honor Julie with the team name changes. Okay, so I mentioned that uh, I had a correction to make. And, you know, we're just going to start a segment, I think. We're going to call it the CEO segment, Corrections, Errors, and Omissions. A couple weeks ago, I said something. I was I was alluding to a, a really nice web page that was created by Chewable Trash, and I believe they labeled it "My Journey Through MTGPQ," something to that uh, effect. I had said yes. He created this great document. Uh, go check it out. I think I called it the MTGPQ for Dummies or something like that. Not disparaging it at all. I think it's a very well made. A uh, little page, and I said, "Yeah, he did a great job. He worked on it really hard." Well, okay, let's fine. We'll do it as a fun fact. Hey, everybody, did you know that chewable trash is not a he but a she? Well, yes, of course. You all knew this. You all let me know. <laughs> I didn't know. Everybody else did. All right. Thank you very much, folks. And I'm saying, chewable trash has been very. Uh, gracious and said, no, don't worry about it. Yes, I have to make the correction. I'm so sorry. All right. Still, it's a great page. You should check it out. This episode's mashup was not actually a mashup. It's a cover of a song first performed by Nina Simone called Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood. This cover was performed by Santa Esmeralda. Dodge U performs the algorithmic alchemy for the coalition event results and writes the summary with deft loquaciousness. Pipes is a.k.a. Jeffrey Smith. He's been doing this for decades. I guarantee you've heard his voice in radio and TV ads. You can find him on Fiverr. 
Additional writing for this episode was done by Dodge U, Sarah Schmera, and Fire Guy. This podcast is produced by Echo Blade Studios. I'm Nerd Thuggery. We'll see you on the boards. See you next time, nerds.